Hello and welcome to the MDC Talks. This is your boy Omari Motion Carter. We are the Motion Dance Collective specializing in the education, presentation and creation of dance on film practice. Anna Clifford is here, James Williams is here and today we have a very, very special guest in the form of filmmaker Marlene Miller who has created dance, documentary and experimental media production since 1989, y'all. Marlene is based up in Canada and is committed to supporting the creative practice of independent filmmaking, mentoring emerging artists, lecturing and teaching workshops across Canada and internationally. Thank you so much for joining us, Marlene. Welcome the MDC Talks. Ah, thank you so much. It's wonderful to be here. I just wish I could be there with you in person. Yes. I know, right? And actually, like, you're one of the screen dancers at the moment that I've had the pleasure of seeing quite the most, like, recently, with you coming over to the UK and doing some stuff and what we did in Ireland with navigation and stuff. So it's really nice to, although it's not in the flesh, it feels like it hasn't been too, too long. Uh, that's no, right. Sorry. Yeah. No. And and just having had um, all of our connections at Screen Dance in Edinburgh and Scotland again, you know, that was a really beautiful yeah. recall to last year when so many of us managed, you know, quite sort yeah. of spontaneously to all converge there together. And mm-hmm. it was yeah. a, bit, a bit of a reunion, but there was still kind of that lingering sensation of having been um, all together with so many makers and, and presenters. It was really lovely. Yes. Happy memories for sure. Yeah, so um, how, how we usually start our, our podcast is asking the question of what the term screen dance means to you. Um, but I've, I know I've spoken to you about specifically about um, screen dance in Canada and how predominantly people say dance film as a term in general. Or do you use the term screen dance yourself when you describe your work? Um. Sometimes, you know, when I look back over uh, proposals that I've been writing, I kind of fluctuate between dance film, because that's the the practice I feel I come out of. Uh, Screen dance, I find, is a a great way to describe uh, the relationship or the the result, the fact that it is going to be a screen-based work. Um, And more and more, I'm using dance media as as a term. You know, just to, to, because, you know, we're moving into so many different forms of technology now. So the screen is disappearing a little bit or how we interpret it might be different. You know, if we're thinking of moving into working more with tech, working in VR, AR. Um, so I'm yeah. sort of going to media as, as a way of describing that uh, yeah. genre in a, in a sense. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, dance film... Like I'm saying, I came out of a filmmaking uh, practice, so the craft of filmmaking still resides in whatever I do, whether I'm working in VR or installation. You know, I'm still relying on on the skills that Mm. I gained and that I'm constantly trying to renew and rebuild or expand, Uh, but it's still that filmmaking practice that I go back to. But you you have a background in dance practice as well, don't you? Yeah, yeah, I was... um, Working as an independent dancer, and then in my sort of mid-late 20s, I started studying at the Contemporary Dance Program, in the Contemporary Dance Program at Concordia University in Montreal. Um, uh, But I was always really drawn to film. 
So I started it. There's a there's a very strong uh, choreographic and creation aspect to the contemporary dance program at Concordia. So we're really encouraged to create work, uh, explore ways to express ourselves and ideas through dance, um, as a less as a performance. You know, it's not like dancers aren't coming out of the program. It's more creators are coming out of the program. So yeah, I just started looking to. Um, film as as my platform to create dance in and on yeah. so i started studying film because there's a fabulous film program at concordia as well uh so the the two kind of spoke to each other really nicely mm -hmm. i don't think i was so aware of dance film as a practice yet i had seen films that really inspired me but they weren't necessarily dance films they might have been mm -hmm. You know, I always go back to the Chantal Ackerman film on uh, Pina Bausch, who I, whose work I adored in the early 90s. Um, yeah. So that film really spoke to me. And then just a lot of films where the body was present, you know, and not necessarily speaking, but just what people were doing together, how they were framed, what they were expressing really, really inspired me a lot. And, and in Montreal, people were starting to um, do some really nice dance film work, uh, early 90s yeah. as well. So were you, um, you were working with other film students while you were training at, at, like, at the, the, the college then? So you were actually collaborating as you were training as a dancer already in, with filmmakers, is that right? Yeah, that's right. So uh, before I switched to the film program, I was doing, I was doing both degrees simultaneously for a while. Uh, the oh. dance program was open to me working as long as I could do both. It was demanding, of course, but um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of crazy. Uh, uh, but even uh, when I was in like my first year in contemporary dance, I met a film student in a scenography uh, set design class we were taking together. We were the only two that weren't from the theater department. I was from dance. He was from film and um, his first Super 8 film I performed in and you know, I'd already started collaborating with film students and they were coming mm -hmm. to the dance department looking for people to perform in, in films, ideas they had mm -hmm. and they wanted to explore. So I sort of uh, was already starting to work in it, but I really didn't understand what the filmmaking process was. Like I really had never thought of editing. You right. know, I ended up becoming an editor, but um, you know, I will sort of mention when I applied for the film program, they had like this uh, summer program that was open to um, fine art students that weren't in film. So I took okay. one of my dance projects that I had completely shot on film, um, but I'd used the monitor as my reference and I was performing in it. And right. so it was like how I entered the frame. My, my choreography and performance was totally informed by the frame itself. But I didn't think to like stop the camera and start it again, you know, or if I did, it was like in camera editing, but I didn't even know that was a term at the time. Right. So they were actually kind of impressed that I had chosen to do this like unedited one take film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, yeah, sure. That was completely my intention. <laughs> I did it on purpose. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So all of those things were mo more intuitive initially. Um, yeah. And then as I started learning the craft, I was just really also taken by the parallels between choreography and filmmaking, you know, mm -hmm. how we create scenes, how we, you know, at the time in, in dance, um, the choreographers I was working with and a lot of the work I was doing was based on tableaus, you know, so we were creating scenes and then figuring out how to put them together much 
as I would then do in, in filmmaking. Um, and that choice of, you know, like going in and improvising forever and then drawing phrases from that improv improvisation that would become the dance work, I also felt uh, had a lot of parallels to, to filmmaking, you know, where you do a lot of exploration and then you really mm. hone down and, um, or hone in on specific ideas that you then craft and build into right. your your phrase. And and the, that whole idea too of creating something that has a beginning, a middle and an end. You know, when we do choreography, it also has to start somewhere and end somewhere, yeah. um, much as a film structure does. Mm. And of course the rhythm and pacing and just choices that you make are very similar. Do you think that the creative process or those choices that you make change when it comes to working with film in comparison to now the digital non-linear non way that we are used to doing now and um, because I've never actually had the 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 honor of working with film yet and James I know you've started building like some film what what were you building the other day you said you uh, built some stuff oh yeah yeah no I've 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 started um messing around with some uh super eight and straight eight um film now um so yeah that's that's been really fun because I obviously come up on digital and I learned on digital and now I'm kind of going back the other way and trying to teach myself um, analog, which is really fun. So, yeah. Yeah. So I was just wondering if there's any like things, changes in your process in, in working for one or the other, or does it not change at all? Do you think in the creative stuff? Yeah. Well, it's just that you have that, that physical connection to uh, like an object when you're working in film, you know, and mm -hmm. because it's so, kind of fragile and you have to, you know, pull your film and cut it, you start understanding um, time and rhythm and, and you make choices, I find, in, in a more thoughtful way because it's so labor intensive. So you really think, what is, you know, 48 frames going to give me of this shot? And you cut it in and you have to like, you know, physically cut it, tape it, you know, splice it play it back, then you're like, eh, not quite right. Then you have to go and find those two frames that you might have dropped on the floor or, you know, yeah. to, to get that extra little bit in there. And yeah. of course, working with sound has its own complexity, but it really, really, really uh, trains you to be organized, to know your material, right. how to find it, what it is. You look at it a lot more, I find, than I tend to now with digital, you know, right. like you can film a lot, long shooting days, um, but whereas I would always be looking at my dailies or my rushes, or even just once I got all the film back before I edited, I did a lot of reviewing of the material before I actually started physically cutting it. Um, so, so that's a, a difference. And, you know, just the film practice too, of shooting analog. Uh, now you can't have video playback when you're shooting, but, you know, back in the day we had to predetermine so many things, you know, and... Right. You know, even using a light meter allowed you to become so aware of where the light was falling, you know, like you'd have your light meter here versus the other side of your face, which was in shadow, perhaps so you really understood how light was affecting um, the body, if you're, say, working with dance and, and a, a dancer or dancers. Um, so, you know, it was always that, that care again, like you're putting that film through the camera. You're not going to see it until it's been sent to the lab, processed, a work print has been made and is sent back to you. Uh, so it was lighting, um, focal length, uh, focus, 
was a big one too. You know, we'd actually be measuring with a tape the distance between the lens, wow. not even the lens, like the, the, the plate where the image was being captured um, and the subject to make sure we had the focus where we wanted it. And, you know, we had all these like little books we would check in yeah. with for our F-stops and, um, yeah. you know, if we wanted it, I was really always into working with the texture and quality of film too. So I was always wanting to really push the grain. So it was like, how do you get that? Because you'd have to get it when you're filming. It was really hard to create that afterwards. Right. Um, so it would be like you have a certain ASA on your film and then you'd be pushing it a stop or two to, to just add to that texture. Um, and speed was a thing too that we'd often predetermine um, unless we were going to go into optical printing afterwards, which I did explore quite a bit in my practice. Um, but yeah, you'd have to crank the camera to film more frames if you wanted it slow, less frames if you wanted it fast. So there, were, there was a lot to consider on set and, uh, and yeah. then in the edit room with uh, working on the flatbed. Yeah, I've become more and more fascinated with it and knowing that James is now wanting to play with it as well, I'm, I really feel like it could help to make me a better filmmaker by take, like, you know, playing with uh, analogue in that respect. Because um, I grew up in a very much uh, fix-it-in-post age mentality. Yeah. Like, when you start off making film in the digital world, it's like, don't worry, we'll fix, we'll fix it in post. And then you start to realise as you're going through that, is is that the more you can get correct before anything even happens yeah. you know before you even press record the more you can get um correct in front of the camera the you know the, the easier better. post-production things come i guess in the end mm-hmm. um but yeah that's me speaking coming from a dance practice it took me a while to work that out mm-hmm. and perhaps if if now i want to go backwards and know where i'm coming from to know where i'm going in the film more mm-hmm. so so yeah yeah, absolutely. And it just allows you to explore more qualities. And, and I love the fact that a lot of uh, young uh, media artists or younger media artists are really into analog now. Um, I'm a member at a film co-op um, and we have like all the latest new technology, but we also have the film cameras. And I've given quite a few uh, workshops um, using Super 8, you know, and uh, and people are really like, what do you mean? I can't play it back. And what do you mean I only have four <laughs> minutes? And one of the... Uh, challenges I give them is you're only going to have three rolls of film so you've got like nine minutes so you're going to tell a five minute story that you have to predetermine there's no sync sound so how are you going to deal with sound so all of these things have to be considered before and they love it you know and even if everything's like totally overexposed or underexposed you know we have the screenings and and people are just I know it's it's a wonderful practice I, I encourage anybody to explore it I think it's a really, um, I think it's a really good practice for directors to work with film. I, th- I think the way that, uh, well, a lot of directors that I work with now who who've come up with me uh, through digital and, and have never played with film, I think the understanding of the collaboration is very different. When you work on digital, they can see things instantly, they can test things, they can kind of play around, they can overshoot. Um, there is a lot less of the pre-production, a lot less importance put on the pre-production um, because they're much more inclined to find things on the day and experiment on the day. Um, whereas with film, you just they don't have the luxury of being able to do that. They can, they can test to a certain extent, but a lot of it comes down to 
really understanding the collaboration with the DP and, and the trusting that the DP is going to be able to uh, explain to them how certain things are going to look and how things are going to feel and how their ideas are going to translate and then trusting that that person can then execute that um, and that their focus is really going to be on um, all of the nuances of putting the story together. Um, whereas I think some of that is lost in digital because people get so transfixed looking at a monitor. Um, so that's that's been a really interesting thing when I start uh, yeah, looking at working with film. Uh, just that, that process and that collaboration becomes very different and the role of the director, I feel, shift very quickly as soon as film comes into play. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah very much so. Yeah, I, I still uh, really encourage... Um, emerging filmmakers to think about all that time you have before you go into production, the pre-production, the writing, um, you know, we're all visual people. We can um, imagine the film we want to make. Like we have so much time to create the treatment before. And, and, you know, my big thing is the more prepared you are going into production, the more time you will have to find some time to explore or get something new than just sort of getting there and making it up on the spot. If you get there with a plan, you get the plan yeah. done. And while you're there, you might be seeing things that you couldn't anticipate without being there. And then you, you have the time and the ability to bring that in, but it doesn't yeah. become the first, you know, you've got your base that you've already planned out. And I think it's always really good to follow through on your idea, like really develop it, but then follow mm-hmm. through. It might not always be successful. You know, I look back at uh, the films I've made and they haven't all turned out to be what I thought they would. Um, some are more, some are less. But I think that's, as artists, we have to, uh, you know, push an idea through from the inspiration through all the stages of development, research, writing, production, yeah. post-production, and, and take that yeah. chance, you know? Right. And Would you mind expanding on that a little bit? I'd, I'd be really keen to hear what... Um, what ideas you've had that you kind of executed and then were like, mm, that wasn't really what I planned. <laughs> well, I'd have it's to really start digging a little bit. Um, you know, sometimes it came down to the ideas were just too ambitious for um, sort of the feasibility side. You know, you might go in, you've given yourself a full day to shoot something and then yeah. try as you may it just takes way too long to set everything up and you don't really have enough time to shoot. You feel like you've just kind of warmed up and then you have to get out. You're, you know, you're kicked off location. You you can't stay. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I I feel there's been a couple of those times where it was just like, felt like we were just getting going, even though we had a plan, it was really late in executing it. And then it was over. So, you know, we had to work with what we had and we did create something, but, and even if it, turned out to be, you know, something that had some impact, the experience of having made it still resides with me. So I, I still feel quite unsatisfied with the, um, mm-hmm. with the production because of that. Right. I guess the same way, you know, sometimes just because you had such a wonderful experience creating something that as yeah. the creator sort of still lives on with the, with the film too. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's the other thing too, you know, as much as you plan out your idea, it's the producer side or the practical side of you that has to uh, anticipate the time it's going to take. You know, if you've got like a really complex lighting setup and you've got huge windows that you've got to filter out, well, how long is that really going to take to do? And how long is it really going to take to hang the lights and get everything right? Yeah. So, 
you know, those are things we learn as we go. Absolutely. Um, do you actually know how many films you've made? Like, have you been keeping count? Because I know you've been working within the screen dance space for three decades, a little bit more. Um, and that to us is just so like exciting because we're very much at the beginning of our journey. Um, so how do you know how many films you've made to date? Uh, well, I know, well, you know, not not really, because some, you know, collaborations or commissions or contracts yeah. um, kind of fall by the wayside or you kind of forget about them. Um, but one thing that I don't know if this even fits into the screen dance um, definition, but uh, Philip Spore and I, we have a company together, Mouvement Perpetuel, and we've done a lot of screen dance, dance films. Um, yeah. But we've also done nine or ten documentaries. Documentaries, yeah. Yeah, and they're all, most of them um, are either portraits of choreographers or looking at the creative process in dance uh, mm -hmm. or the, the intersection of dance and music, collaborations with people. Um, mm -hmm. But they also play on other themes as well. And I realized, because I did have a look at that today, and mm -hmm. I don't think they really played in screen dance festivals. You know, they played in documentary right. film festivals, they played in art film festivals, they, they kind of took the distribution route of what the um, issues were that were explored Instead in the documentary, the yeah. you know? So I spent a lot of time with uh, Byron Chief Moon, Grey Horse Rider, um, on the LGBTQ festival circuit and mm -hmm. on the um, indigenous film festival circuit um, mm -hmm. and, and art films, but I can't say it ever played at a dance film festival. It, it also right. has to do, I imagine, with the length. A lot of them are uh, like hour long uh, documentaries. Right. The shorter ones have been at uh, Cine Dance and maybe a couple of other uh, screen dance festivals, but you know, does it fit in screen dance or is yeah. it purely a documentary on right. dance? I mean, we always try to incorporate um, our approach to filming dance in the documentaries. You know, in Byron Chief Moon, we, we shot a lot on film and, and we played with, you know, film speed, trying to emulate his connection to uh, his, the, the land that he's from, his, um, you know, his ancestral land that really speaks mm -hmm. a lot to him and to his practice. Um, but, you know, so, so I know how many documentaries we've made. <laughs> how many documentaries have you made then? Uh, nine. Nine, okay. Yeah, and then again with Mouvement Perpetuel, Philip and I were really able to um, tap into, or we were lucky, successful. Of course, not every idea we put forth was funded, um, but when we had the Bravo Fact support system in Canada in the late 90s, early 2000s, I guess. Um, they were really supporting dance on screen for broadcast. So they would invest in half of your production budget and I mean, you would keep the rights to the film, but it would be played on their platforms or on their channel. That's amazing. Yeah, where did that go? So much of that was happening here in the UK as well with the BBC, yeah. and they were the funding so many yeah. screen. What happened? To, what happened to the broadcast funding? Where did it go? Funding? <laughs> 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 we got to contact them directly now and put the films in their face. I think. Exactly, and and Bravo Fact, I think, was very inspired by the BBC and what was right. going on in in UK and in Europe. You know, where they were really putting matching or bringing together, inviting filmmakers and choreographers to collaborate. 
you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah, you see, even on Netflix now, they released it. What was it? Tom York? Yeah, Tom York's. Yeah. Um, the, the Tom York piece. And, and and what did they label it as? I can't remember. Uh, they called it some kind of music video. They uh, said it was like a dance. Music, art film. Art, art film, mus- music but they, film. But they put it in the category of music video, which was so interesting because... Yeah, and I was like, they don't even know they they're releasing screen dance onto this. <laughs> Someone needs they to should start. Um, they should start a, a silent film category. I think. Oh, that's a good okay. idea. All of that stuff could play in really well, and their whole ethos of like, you know, multi language, multicultural distribution. You know, they should so start a silent Netflix if you're listening. <laughs> yeah. So exactly. Do you, do you think? Do you feel like sometimes we're we're kind of working and living in this bubble that is the screen oh, dance world? Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. I feel like I'm. I always have to introduce outside networks to what it is, mm-hmm. and say there's a place, guys, that we can come and get involved with. But then people are doing it anyway. Mm-hmm. But within their their own bubbles. Their own, their own, those bubbles as well, yeah. We, we were having this conversation because, you know, sometimes you see a, a piece of dance film or a screen dance work, but it's not something that you see on the screen dance uh, circuit. It's something that we saw on television or on the film festival circuit or in a very specific category, you know. So it's really interesting because we have a couple friends that are making dance film now, but they're doing it you know via a very different way they're doing it because they come from an acting background or uh you know yeah so they get funding from theater companies and yeah and other things like that to they're just approaching work, it from like right? a different angle and it's really interesting to see how they're being successful but in like a different pool of work compared to but it's, what we're it's working so within right now just as like what marlene was saying where putting your films into all of their shareholders places you know like looking at the documentary what is it themed about let's put it into that sort of space right and all screen dancers i feel work like that in some way we don't we can't just make money off of being within the screen dance industry we have to look at all of these other things that are interconnected with our hybridity yeah but it's so funny that we don't do it as much within our hub and i don't know whether that's because we want to protect it and it's so nice to have this little family kind of not li- i don't yeah. know if it's little but you know in the big scheme of things ever expanding ever yes. expanding <laughs> exactly ever expanding um and but i think i think it's changing now i think it's definitely changing now and and it has risen to another peak that was like in the 1990s when yeah. there was that well it kind of comes in waves coming back around it? again I think so I feel yeah. that we're at, we're at I don't know if it's a good or bad thing but we're at a good we're at a place to now start to to bring everybody together a bit more I think yeah I, I wasn't able to um, join in on all of the conversations at Screen Dance Scotland last week but I know there was one about like social issues and yeah activism yeah you know activism and, and I think that's what people need to do with their films is Look at what they're about. You know, everything's about something. And and really? you know, whenever I'm drawn to work with a choreographer um, or adapt an existing work, you know, I'm always drawn to something that interests me, even if it's yeah. not, even if it's quite abstract in in how they've um, brought it to life. I'm always intrigued at what the story is behind it or underneath it. Mm-hmm. And you know, if we can bring that out, even in how we package the film or describe it or promote it. Um, 
I, I think there are other, if you want to call them markets, other yeah. avenues that we can pursue to to try and get our work uh, out in different in different uh, places. Yeah. Uh, we do quite a bit of work in distribution with uh, universities, colleges, schools, and quite often, again, they'll be directed towards a department that might be, you know, it's not dance necessarily. Sometimes it's media arts, sometimes it's gender studies, sometimes it's the music department, uh, mm -hmm. interdisciplinary. Um, so it's always to kind of look at where we can connect our work with, with other audiences. And it's a way to, have your have your films kind of live on and um connect with other audiences and and hopefully you you get some conversation back from yeah um, these other fields because i do find our conversations tend within the screen dance world tend to evolve around similar topics right mm. um, you know and it's absolutely yeah 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 so, yeah. so I totally encourage you all to really look at how you do your film. And, and I know one of the questions you had was why don't I put our work? That's what I was just going to ask you. Yeah, because I literally just we, highlighted it now. We I was were, like, okay, we're going to ask Because I, I went on your one. website recently just to sort of like, you know, refresh all your, all, all your um, recent projects and see if I could, you know watch some more of your work and it just reminded me that you don't release um or distribute necessarily a lot of your work online we only get the blessing of seeing it in film festivals <laughs> so why can you talk about that choice you yeah well, i've always i've always seen a distribution as part of the whole filmmaking process so mm -hmm. um and and this you know, it is evolving for sure. And it's something that uh, in in the uh, filmmaking world, we've had to deal with a lot over the last, I'd say almost 10 years. Mm -hmm. um, because before when you were, you know, creating your financial structure for your film, a lot depended on where it was going to end up. Right. Um, because to finish a film and sell it, you, you say you'll get a few hundred dollars as an acquisition. But if you can get an investor interested when you're creating the film, um, especially like a broadcaster or whatever platform is replacing that, uh, they will, you can have a, a licensing agreement which has a far greater value than finishing your film and, and selling it for a few hundred bucks. Mm -hmm. So, uh, at, uh, you know, back in the BravoFact days and broadcast days, we really worked with um, producers uh, at the different channels um, as, as partners in the financing of our films. So while we always can take, uh, can, had held ownership over the, the productions, uh, they would say have, we'd have an agreement with them that they would have the first window to show it for a year and then we could go okay. to others. But if it's online, it's available to everyone yeah. so there's no reason that they would even need to invest in it because anybody could see it anyhow right. and the same with our educational distribution if our films are just out there they're not going to be shown in the same way as um when they're part of a library collection mm -hmm. exactly so so that so it often comes back to that like how mm -hmm. we've decided to like build the financial structure for our productions and it really does go right through to to, to distribution because as much as we can ra raise and invest in a production things always go um, over budget yes. uh, even modestly so so we're always dependent on that distribution stream as well 
And, and applying for funding too, people always want to know what your distribution plan is. Yeah. Right, right. You know, and we're being encouraged to work with distributors now when applying for funding uh, here in Quebec anyways, through our Arts Council. Uh, so they're recognizing all the work that we put into getting our films out there and the thousands of dollars we pay <laughs> entering yeah. film festivals, right? Yeah. Um, mm. and, and the time and the energy that goes into that. So, uh, you know, there, there is a recognition of that now and we can apply for a certain degree of funding to help us develop relationships with established distributors, um, especially trying to tap into like this new world of digital platform as a yeah. form of distribution. Absolutely. That's amazing. Because obviously we met you on the festival circuit. We met you at Cine Dance in Amsterdam. So, and we know that you love to visit a lot of the festivals that um, you're screening some of your films at. Yeah, so, so can you talk about um, how important it is for you to attend film festivals that your work is being screened at? Um that my work is being screened at or, or not, you know, I think it's really wonderful mm -hmm. to be at festivals to see the films that were created for a large screen to be presented on a large screen and to meet the artists who might be there to, to discuss, you know, mm -hmm. their journey, their choices, you know, where they're at. It's like our chance to, it's like a critical mass that comes together at these um, select moments. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, so all of that I think is really important. So whenever I, I can, I love to be there and yeah. if it's to present uh, a work that I've directed or co-directed, uh, it's, it's, that's even more exciting because you do get that immediate reaction from the audience. Mm -hmm. We love the, the conversation, like, and exactly what you were saying, just being able to connect with other artists and have those really interesting creative conversations about their work or the work that we've just witnessed, mm -hmm. you know, that's what makes it special. And that's one of the reasons Screen.Dance was so special last year when we were able to connect in person because, uh, you know, there was just so many people there that were open to having those more sort of in-depth, nuanced conversations about what we're making and why. Yeah, now some hard questions as well, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you know, it can, it can always it can spark new ideas, new collaborations. I met so many people that I've ended up working with. Oh, you know, amazing! Um, yeah, like uh, Yuka from uh, Malakta in Finland. Um, okay. I've taught two filmmaking workshops, screen dance workshops there. Um, I did a residency there. He's wow. we've met in New York, um, and and that was meeting at. Um, we met in Helsinki. And the only reason I ended up in Helsinki is because I was at Cine Dance. Um, right. <laughs> and I met uh, Hannah and Katy. Katy. And they're yeah. like, oh, you submitted six films to our festival. <laughs> we could only pick <laughs> one. But if you want to come and give a presentation, you know. <laughs> so I went and gave a presentation. I met Yuka, and there was a chain reaction with that. And then I think at a, another Cine Dance uh, festival, I met Anna Alexandre, and I hadn't oh. been aware of her festival. We submitted Lay Me Low, it won the jury prize. We went back to do wow. a residency, which was the, the prize. Mm -hmm. And then we ended up making Traverse there, you know? Oh my gosh, yeah. So there, I've been to many festivals, things like this haven't happened, but um, yeah. 
it's it's like a beautiful fertile ground to to meet people and discuss new ideas and potential partnerships so it's been wonderful as as a screen dance maker dance filmmaker i've also found that you know just the second half of my journey has been learning film and now you know i edit i i i enjoy directing you gave me the opportunity of a first assistant directing which is a whole different ball game to just working in the in the sometimes you're doing that all of those all at one time sometimes yeah <laughs> um so i i just wondered if you particularly had a favorite of the roles that you do because i know on your website it says film editor but you've directed and you've produced the tentacle tribe piece and so lots of different roles have come into that i wonder if you had a favorite place to be um hmm well i think you know, I like being there for the whole duration, you know, from mm -hmm. the inception to the conclusion. So whatever roles I need to take on to, <laughs> to get something from that spark realized right through to out in the world, um, I'm happy to do all of those roles. Uh, of course, I suppose like what is the most challenging would be the producer role and just sticking with it. Um, and I'm really fortunate with the two companies I have to have partners uh, to share this journey and all the rejection and celebrate the successes yeah. with. Um, so Philip Spore and I with Mouvement Perpetuel and now Sandy Silva and I have uh, formed a company, uh, the Migration Dance Film Project. Um, so yeah, both companies were always just looking how to get these projects off the ground. So there's the writing, the waiting, the rejection. Yeah. <laughs> and then putting it out again. And how can we say that again, but you know, really convince people this is important or, or you know, worthwhile or artistically um, worth exploring. So that's difficult, but it's also wonderful when we, we are able to move forward with ideas. Um, but I, I, I really enjoy directing the most. Um, I love editing, uh, but I kind of prefer editing almost other people's work or if it's mm. a very personal work. Uh, but if it's a collaborative work, I, I prefer being able to sit back and you know bring my experience as an editor and a filmmaker to the cut but not to be the person doing it I just find it's right. sort of there's a little bit of conflict for myself there yeah um so yeah mm -hmm. writing directing is the most exciting part of it all for sure yeah fair enough and obviously you're just mentioning some of the collaborations that you have in your work um and you have so ma you have multiple, as you said, you've got so many meaningful and powerful collaborations in your creative career. What would be your advice to someone who is looking to find those sort of creative partnerships, but also partnerships that will last? Because I know that many of your collaborators, you've worked with them now for quite some time, and that's so special. I think that's something that as um, as creatives that we seek out, you know, we we yearn for so do you have any advice for someone that's looking for that and and sort of how to get there or how to start uh yeah i i mean while philip and i have been collaborating for 20 years uh i also have other people i've been working with since i was in film school you know um right. certain dps certain editors who are filmmakers in their own right um but 
I mean, a lot of it is is personality. You you have to be able to you know get along with somebody for sure, yeah. um, and just have that openness and and see the potential of having a collaborator. You know, it's it's wonderful because um, like Philip and I, like we really inspire each other. You know, and we trust each other and. Mm-hmm we question what we're doing a lot. And I find when you're on your own, often you can, even if you've got some questions about what you're doing, you can kind of put it aside. But when you have somebody else there with you, um, mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of like watching your film with an audience for the first time. You know, certain things that you might have been skeptical about are just like up there in front of you and you're like, ah, oh, why yeah. did I do that? Why did yeah. I listen to that little voice in, <laughs> in my head? Um, so anyway, so having somebody there allows you to exchange and i think that's right. one of the most valuable things um and as i was saying before just to, just to share just to share that load of work that it is mm-hmm. um getting a production off the ground and seeing it through um i i have other colleagues that uh are working very independently and you know they really kind of look at what we've got in, with a lot of admiration because like you guys are just so lucky you get to share this you know both, right. both yeah. the positive and the negative side of things um, yeah, so it's just, you know, have to, to somebody that you share an artistic vision with, but you're willing to challenge it, to challenge your own um, vision and theirs and have conversation. And, you know, sometimes it'll be an idea that one of us have and the other one's, yeah, lukewarm. So either put it aside or that person runs with it and develops it on their own. And um, if it's an idea of Phillips, I'm there to support what he's off doing and uh, likewise, and we have the company as a base to do that. Uh, the collaboration with uh, Sandy Silva as a choreographer is different because it's a filmmaker and choreographer. But yeah. uh, the fact that we're both like so invested in it as producers, mm. we really share the every aspect of both the choreographic creation and the filmmaking side of things. like. It's, it's a constant conversation and one is always affecting the other. Amazing. Yeah. So again, that's super rewarding and we get to, you know, travel together and, um, come up with new ideas and crazy places and <laughs> try yeah. and see them through. Yeah. Well, and it's not, it's not usual in, would you say that's a usual relationship to happen as well? I found that so fascinating because I've always, well, I'm, I've not always experienced it, but there has been talks of tension between directors and the choreographers. choreographers within the dance film space in some respects. And the way that you guys work together was just so in sync, always asking questions. It like never stopped. And then answering each other's questions at the same time sometimes. It was just like, <laughs> you guys have such a chemistry that was just so inspiring, wonderful to, to see. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like you, when when Sandy could watch the monitor, she was there by the monitor by your side as much as she was on screen. It was just really cool to to, to see that happen. It's not, that wasn't really a question. <laughs> it was just a straight up like observation of, of wonderfulness, but um, I, d- I don't know if you've experienced that tension in the past when you've directed other works uh, uh, and perhaps a choreographer's input. Uh, has there anything been anything like that with you in the past or has it always been a, 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 a nice collaboration, I guess? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we've always tried to be really clear, you know, from the get-go. Um, yeah. So we've done a lot of one-offs with choreographers and it's not that we don't want to work with them again, but it was like that piece of work spoke to us. And very often, um, say with, with Philip and I, the shorts that we've done, 
um, we've, one of us has seen a work or we've seen a work together and we're like, oh my God, that would translate so beautifully to the screen. And we've approached the choreographer saying we'd like to make a film based right. on your work. And um, they've collaborated with us to varying degrees, but often we, we've really presented it as we'd like to adapt your work to film. And the understanding is that that's our artistic vision. And yes. they're definitely involved in the production, but uh, we've predetermined how we want it to be created. And, mm -hmm. and nobody has ever been unhappy with the results at all. Like it's always yeah. been a really, really nice um, collaboration in that way. Mm -hmm. And then other artists have been more involved, like uh, Shantala Shivalingapa with Bhairava. She was very mm -hmm. involved in, in like, she was just so interested, much like, like Sandy Silva has been with the work, you know, in understanding what each shot was going to be and okay. being able to take the phrase of movement that was planned and really understand how that was going to be affected by the, the composition and uh, the physical space she'd be performing in. Uh, she was involved in the editing too. I had the chance to uh, spend some time with her in Paris. Because uh, for me, it was the, the you know, I, it's not a form of dance, the Kuchipudi, that I understand as well as I understand contemporary dance or now how I understand percussive dance. So I was really concerned about how it would be cut and, and the timing, especially, it's so complex, right? With the, uh, the rhythm structures and whatnot. So I really wanted to, uh, well, Philip and I really wanted to have her input on that, and I was able, I was lucky enough to be in France, so we um, spent a few days going over the edit together. Um, and I'm sure she was open to it being much more experimental in its approach than it was, right. but, but we had our predetermined and we decided to follow through the idea of uh, creating the film like that we would follow from the beginning to the end her choreographic uh, structure. Often, you know, with, especially with a lot of contemporary dance work that we've adapted to the screen, like we completely basically re-choreographed the work in the editing. Um, but with Chantal's piece, Bhairava, we, we really wanted to stick to the arc that was inherent in her stage work. We were even influenced by some of her lighting choices from the stage work that we had seen. Um, right. to inform the, the, even though we were working outside with natural lighting, we use the, the idea of silhouette. Um, that she had in her stage work. So it was really interesting to be so influenced by. Yeah, I had no idea that it was influenced by the stage work. That's so interesting to hear. Yeah, and even in the stage work, it's only at, I don't know, whatever, three minutes in that her face is revealed. And we, we follow ah. that in the way we chose to um, mm. work with light in the, in the stage work as well, and in the screen work as well. Um, yeah. yeah, so so again, that was like, and, and with uh, Crystal Pite, she was also very involved in, uh, well, she co-directed uh, Lost Action Trace with us, which was yeah. to be a much longer work, um, but it ended up being the, the two-minute uh, piece that the National Film Board produced. So again, right. you know, she, she choreographed it for two minutes of film. She basically took a 58-minute piece and was able to yeah. take the essence of it and bring it down to... Uh, two minutes. So again, she was working, we were in studio with her, um, we were working on storyboards together, um, we did the shot list, but it was all based on the ideas that we had agreed upon or together with her. 
you have been listening to the MDC Talks. That has been episode one of Marlene Miller's podcast. Check out episode two, where we'll be delving deeper into the Migrations Dance Film Project and our recent collaboration, Navigation.